Today, we dive into all things jump rope, including how video can increase your ad revenue, why video is nothing to be scared of, and how, when it comes to social media, you can do it all while not going crazy. Next on Make and Bacon. Hey there, I'm Jason Logston, and this is Make and Bacon. We're all about helping you serve your fans, grow your income, and get the most out of your blog. Today's sponsor is my very own Web Stories Made Easy email course. We've all heard people excitedly talk about Google Web Stories on social media, in mastermind groups, and on podcasts. But what the heck are Web Stories? How are they different from other stories? And what's the best way to integrate them into your own blog? I did the research, I wrote up everything with a little bit of help from today's guest even, and I put it together in a way that you can understand how to get the most out of them. You can check that out for free at makethatbacon.com slash webstories. Now, on to the show. As bloggers, we know we should be getting our videos into as many places as possible. But how can we possibly create Instagram reels and recipe videos, YouTube shorts and Facebook videos, not to mention TikTok and Pinterest video pins? There's so many places it can be really overwhelming trying to figure it out. Luckily, today's guest is the perfect person to help us out. She's a former IT account executive who manages the food creator community on Jump Rope. She loves supporting and encouraging food bloggers to increase their traffic and revenue by efficiently creating video content. She's passionate about baking and cooking herself after being diagnosed with many food allergies, and she shares delicious plant-based allergy-friendly recipes on Plantivore Kitchen. Lately, you can find her speaking on Clubhouse or posting on Instagram Reels. I can't wait to learn from today's guest, the food content director at Jump Rope and blogger at Plantivore Kitchen, Lauren Piamonte. Lauren, welcome to Making Bacon. Thank you, Jason. It's good to see you, aside from our usual Clubhouse chats. Yeah, it's uh, interesting being face-to-face. -face. We are, with Megan Porta, usually just audio-only um, talking about stuff. Exactly. I'm so thankful that Megan introduced us because it's been wonderful to get to know you. Yeah, it's been a great... Uh, I love learning from your expertise, and it's always fun. You have great points of view on all the different things we talk about. It's I'm never let down uh, when I'm in a room with you and Megan. It's, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> So I can't wait to dive into Clubhouse and video, but before we get started, I always like to ask, what is it like around your dinner table on a typical day? Ooh, that's a fun question. So my fiance and I, we both really love cooking, actually. So we're not one of those households where just one person cooks, one person cleans. It's like we're both kind of fighting to cook and we don't, we don't want to do the cleaning. So typically we're doing something, we're really into like Asian fusion meals. So like last night was a typical night, we did a curry. And then, I don't know if you want me to get pretty micro, but I love to get micro. So we'll do a homemade curry paste, like a green Thai curry or something. And then we'll probably watch an episode of Blacklist. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but one of my favorite shows. We are caught up to the going into the current season, I think is where we currently are in Blacklist. That's where we are too. <laughs> Making the curry paste, like that's, that's hardcore. A lot of people, like I'll make curry a lot, but I buy like, decent curry paste because that's that's a lot of work and a lot of spices in there i know it's kind of crazy because we took some cooking courses in thailand and we were so fortunate to do that so we could really learn and they with the mortar and pestle they just like we were doing it and they were like no 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 no. you got to really put some muscle into it so now whenever we do it it's like our neighbors downstairs are probably like what is going on up there <laughs> We were, we actually took a cooking class in Thailand as well when my wife and I went and, but there was very much like, we're going to show you how like most of the busy 
people here cook and like so they took us to a local market where they have like the giant vats of like curry paste and stuff and they're like this is where you can get good curry paste and then you don't have to worry about making it yourself <laughs> that's awesome we love to make it and then i'll freeze it little hack freeze it in um ice cube trays and then you can just pop them in and they're really it's like fresh and easy to have so that's my favorite thing to do so you can take a little bit of time up front and then you yes. can use it a lot long term exactly so i want to dive into video and i want to i have a question i'm curious about you work with a ton of different video creators it took me a long time to do video because i was really really nervous about getting in front of the camera i felt uncomfortable and i kept coming up with excuses why i shouldn't do it is that something that, do you find a lot of people nervous about it or am i just strange that way no, that is the typical across the board, to be honest with you. I felt that myself too before I started video. With food bloggers especially, we've noticed, I don't know if you've seen the same, but a lot of food bloggers, they don't really like to show themselves. They want it, whether that's for long-term, like we've talked about, if you want to sell your blog, maybe you don't want to put so much of your personality and yourself in there, or maybe you're just introverted and, and you don't really like the idea of showing yourself as much, and that's fine too but there's a lot of hesitation and fear. And it's really a hurdle that I'm encouraging people to practice because if you, if you practice it and you can just normalize it a little bit more and put it into your workflow, it will put you so far ahead of other people because think that's the norm is that people don't wanna do videos. So if you start doing it, even if your video is not that great, you're already a step ahead. I was surprised how I was so concerned about the quality of video about, especially I was in um, like modernist cooking was my space. And so it's, you have like chef steps that's doing like amazing high quality content. You have like three-star Michelin chefs doing things. And I was like, how can I compete? And I think besides giving me some tips on like microphones, no one ever commented on any of my video quality. My fans didn't care. They were following and they wanted to see my point of view. And that was refreshing for me to kind of get over that hurdle of feeling weird on video. That's so true. People are really critical with audio I've learned, but they're not quite so critical with video. I don't think I've ever had a creator or a food blogger friend tell me that someone has criticized the quality of their video, which is really nice. And it's, you can, especially with like equipment these days, you can get pretty good quality video just from a phone or from the same camera that you might use for all your food photography already, right? Exactly. Honestly, I just use my phone for everything because I know myself, I work a full-time job and then I'm doing my blog on the side. I don't have the time. Just it's, if I have to upload it to my computer and do all that, I'm not going to do it, honestly. So you got to do what's right for you and what will help you be most efficient, I think. And I would say on jump rope, especially like 95% of our creators are just using their phones. I definitely agree with putting it in your workflow and, and simplifying as much as you can that like, what's the least amount that you can do to get good quality? And, you know, I do this for people that are watching the podcast right now. Like this is my, like I have decent lighting, I have whatever, but it's like set up on my desk. Like it's always here. And like my, my mic like swivels over. That's, that's all that it is because I know that if I had to like set up a bigger light or do things that I'd be like, oh, this is a hassle now. You know, like it, I just talk myself out of it where I have it set up. I can just sit down and go live pretty much whenever I want to get on, you know, record things. And it makes it so easy that just eliminating kind of the excuses in my own brain is helpful. Exactly. I think having your setup, just what you just said, having your workflow and your setup good to go, especially if you live in a place where you can just keep it there, 
it will help you so much because you're right. Setting it up is really annoying. Honestly, if I had to get out a light every time, I just wouldn't do it. So I have my setup over on a table by the window. I love using natural light for my hands and pans content. I have my little backdrop. It's, it's easy. It's good to go. I just put my phone in an overhead tripod that looks right down. And then sometimes I'll do cooking style videos because I've actually, I love videos so much now that I like show my face, which I never thought I would. So we'll do some of those in the kitchen sometimes too. I think those talking ones are really interesting when you're like in front of the camera. It's, I am getting better at them, but I'm still like, I feel just weird talking to the camera and I'm like, I do so much interactive things and so many interviews with both of, both of my podcasts that it's weird when I'm just like talking and no one is, you know, there's no faces, there's no chat going on that it's, it's really hard for me to be like, am I making sense or am I just rambling about things that people don't care about? I feel you. I love that voiceover has become a really popular thing now, especially with Reels and TikTok, because you can easily do something where I feel the same. If I'm just talking to the camera, I feel kind of odd unless someone's there. You know, I love to do like a live or something like that. But now voiceover, it's like just added after and it, it does quite well. Like Britta of Food with Feeling, she does a really nice job on her TikTok of using voiceover. Nice. I feel like voiceover is a good kind of like like baby steps to even get into it, right? Like if people exactly. are listening and they're worried, like you can shoot videos of the food and then you can do, you know, the voiceover to get your your voice kind of out there so your fans can start hearing from you and getting to know you a little bit more, but you're not in front of the camera, you know, with everyone feeling like people might be judging you or something. Exactly, that's such a good baby step to just do the hands in pan and add a little bit of personality. What other tips do you have for people kind of trying to get more comfortable with being on camera? Yeah, I would say that the biggest thing for me has been like starting video first with just my hands and pan type thing, because that's the first step, right? Video itself, it's it, there's a lot of psycho psychological fear that comes into, oh my gosh, it's recording. So that would be my first step is, hey, try some hands and pan stuff. Feel, feel good about that, get your workflow down. And then like for getting confident enough to be then on camera, I would say like practice even on Zooms and things like that, like call your friends on a Zoom and have a Zoom chat and kind of be cognizant of how you should be looking at like the webcam or, you know, different things like that. Notice if you play with your hair or you do things so that you can kind of pick up on them. Like you mentioned, I was in sales, so I, I've picked up on my, my habits and I've learned to try to practice, you know to be a little bit better about those things. And then I would say the biggest thing is really just getting in front and practicing. I've filmed content where I I look back on it and I cringe because I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like, I don't, I didn't know what I was doing, but guess what? No one said anything bad. I didn't get any negative comments. And honestly, at the end of the day, those helped grow my account. So I think that just doing it itself, like you really just got to stop with the perfectionist mindset, which is quite hard as a food blogger because we want everything to look perfect, everything to look delicious. There's a lot of competition, we all know. But video, people just want to see how, it done, how it's done. They want to get to know you if, you if you're willing. And that's really it. They're just looking for some guidance. I heard a good tip. It was either Megan or uh, Kathy Hester were talking about that they recommend you, you know, using like live on Instagram or something like that, that you can do really quick videos. And like next time you're cooking, just hold your phone out, you know, and say right now I'm putting together like this spice rub and this is 
10 seconds on why I'm using the spice rub and like you're off. Like you, you know you are stuck with 10 to 15 seconds and that is all. So if it like goes horribly wrong, you're off quick. Like there's no expectations out there. And if you really need to, you can delete it. But it's like get you in front of the camera and that feeling of like looking at the camera and just being like, oh my goodness, starts to go away after you've done it 10 or 20 or 100 times. That's so true. I think Clubhouse too has really helped for a lot of people who are a little fearful of like showing that personality or talking or whatever it may be. Because if you go jump in some Clubhouse rooms and suddenly you're you're learning like to come up on stage, the first time you might feel a little anxious, you might feel a little, your heart beating pretty fast, but then soon enough, like you'll be doing them and it's just, it's just like talking to friends. I would say one one other tip I didn't mention too is just being really prepared. I love being prepared. That is where I get confidence from is if I'm prepared. And so I think a lot of people should look to that too. How can I storyboard out my recipes? Can I write a checklist of any shot that I need to get for a video? Do I have all my ingredients ready to go? Or am I gonna be fumbling around and be stressed out unnecessarily? Like anything that you can do to prepare and you, then you can film, I mean, like, I film like three to five videos in a day usually because I like to batch them. So as long as you're prepared, you can just get a lot of content at once. And that's all part of working it into your workflow, right? You know exactly how it goes, you know what you have to do, and you know how to accomplish it pretty quickly, which is impressive. Mm -hmm. So we talked a little bit about video and like, why video? What are some other benefits that bloggers get from using video, either with their fans or from their content or, you know, reach. There's a lot out there of why people should use video. There's so many reasons. Two that come to mind off the top of my head are everything right now that's being pushed by platforms is video focused. YouTube shorts, Instagram reels, TikTok, obviously. It's, if you don't hop on the train, you're gonna get left behind is what I say. So you just kind of got to do it and bite the bullet there. So that, also from like the perspective of a, a platform, right? Instagram, they're gonna push whatever is the newest feature. So you wanna use it. If you're not using Reels, you're probably doing yourself a little bit of a disservice long-term because right now they're just putting so much juice behind them. So like, why not take advantage of it? And then the other thing that comes to mind too from a blog perspective is having video on your blog is major for SEO. That sets you apart so much. Like. Honestly, whether you're with an ad network or not, if you're with an ad network, you better be putting video on your blog because you can make so much more money. Just do it. Like the, the video ads are so much better than just having them embedded in your text. So that would be the first point. And then the second, like I said, for SEO, even if you're not with an ad network, like I'm not with an ad network and I just upload them to YouTube and then I'll embed the YouTube. And those recipes, when I do that, they do better. So I think that definitely it's something that will set you apart from all the competition with food bloggers. Is it increasing the like the viewer on page time basically that makes Google want to promote it a little bit more? Yeah, and I've even seen some stuff with guided recipes that, so guided recipes, I don't know if you've seen a lot about that, but guided recipes is essentially like taking each instruction and partnering it with a photo step or partnering it with like a chunk of the video or whatever it may be. It's something that Google's doing. And so really like if you have a video and, and you're using WordPress recipe maker, for example, you can actually attach like 15 seconds of the video 
to that instruction. And Google is going to see that in your markup that you're using guided recipes and it just is more beneficial too. So it's like the user engagement totally. And then on the back end, it's benefiting you as well. Nice. And from, uh, you talked about using ad networks mm -hmm. and the videos are really good for that. Do you recommend having like autoplay videos or sticky videos or just having it embedded in the post where it kind of belongs? We've seen our creators do a lot of different things here. I think that what I've seen for people that seems to be most popular, I, I can't speak if it's best necessarily, uh, the, the best spots that I've seen them using it are like the, or sorry, the most popular spots I've seen them using it are at the top of the post because ideally it's catching someone's eye right before they click the jump to recipe. I've seen it right above the recipe card, which I personally think that's an ideal spot because people are probably using jump to recipe a good chunk of the time. So you can hopefully catch them there. And then I've seen it where it's the, the minimized like window on the side, if you know what I'm talking about, where even if you had it at the top of the post, it, it kind of pulls it down on the right lower right side. So that's good too. The one thing that I would just say personally from like user experience that I hear from people a lot is if you have if you have video and it's not for that recipe and you're just putting it on the recipe to put it there, I don't think that that's personally the best user experience. If I were you, I would rather create a roundup that had that recipe in it. If you don't have process photos, if you don't have video for that recipe, make a roundup that has that recipe featured in it and put that on the post. But just pointing to another recipe, it can be kind of confusing in my opinion. I, I don't know, maybe that's not the popular opinion, but that's just what I've heard from some people too. It makes sense that if you see a video pop up on a page that you're on, you probably expect it to be have something to do with the page that you are on. <laughs> yeah, it can be a little frustrating, right? Because you let the ad play and then you're like, wait a second, this wasn't even the recipe. <laughs> <laughs> so what are the things that really intimidates people about video outside of being on, you know, in front of it is like, how do you handle it? Like once you're done recording your video, you have this file and then it's you know, do you use Final Cut Pro? Do you use Adobe Premiere? Are you spending hundreds of dollars? Like, how do you get that from, you know, off your phone or off your DSLR, and now you have a 15 minute or 15 second, like spot on Instagram or a TikTok video? And I'm obviously teeing you up because, you know, it'd be so nice if there was a program out there that was easy <laughs> to make this process possible. But can you talk a little bit about the video editing that, that a jump rope has? Yes, I will tell you a quick story too. So late 2019, I was like, I need to have video. I need to get into it. I just need to do it. And I started creating some video recording it and I tried editing with desktop apps. I am a perfectionist and it was an absolute time suck nightmare, horrible, horrible thing for me to do. I am very techie. I have a background in computer science and it was not that, it was that there was no structure. So. I would just spend hours upon hours and it would not feel good enough. So then I was like, okay, I need to figure something else out. I don't have six to eight hours for a video. And clearly like I would share a video and it would do well. So I knew I needed to keep doing it. So then I found jump rope and I was like, okay, let me try this out. I haven't heard of it before. And it took me about 30 minutes to do the editing for my next video. So that was a quite a time saver. And one of the things I really loved was that it was a template. So it was a lot easier than that traditional timeline editing. It's like stories inspired. So it reminded me of Instagram stories. So I actually reached out to the CEO, like they were hiring for food, food manager, uh, food content manager. 
and so that's actually how I'm here now is is literally because I was looking for how the heck do I do video in a way where I can do it. So that's just a little bit of background there. But I will say Jump Rope, obviously, I'm the food content director there, and it's just wonderful for video. It's so, so helpful and so simple to do because most of us are perfectionists. And just to have that timeline, it's hard. Like, it's hard to say, oh, you know, how much do I include for each step? Like, like how do I structure this? It's a lot. So I love Jump Rope because it breaks it down into cards, almost like slides, if you will and a, a story. And so essentially like you have your cover where you have your title, your finished product, you could do a short little video cutting into a cake or something cute, eye-catching. And then you just go through step-by-step step and list either each step of a recipe, each step of a roundup, or each step of like a kitchen technique. Those have been popular too. And it's just cut my time down so much when I have to edit. So. On the editing side, there's that. And then as well, when you publish on Jump Rope, you get 15 plus video downloads that you can use pre-formatted for all different platforms. So I used to be at a consultant for different wellness marketing companies and I would do their social media. And let me tell you, it was a nightmare because I had to do YouTube and IGTV and I would just film on two separate devices because I was like, I don't wanna work with the pre formatting, post-editing. It's just like a nightmare. So what Jump Rope does is it takes your video that you create and the app automatically does this magic and it gives you Pinterest pins formatted for Pinterest. It gives you YouTube. It gives you IGTV, video for your blog, Pinterest stories, anything you could possibly want. It gives it to you, TikTok, whatever you need. So that saves me a lot of time personally too because there's pressure to be everywhere nowadays. Yeah, there's so many places and there are always new ones coming out. And I feel like half my time when I am like, okay, I need to start putting out some of this new content is like figuring out what are the most up-to-date image sizes and video sizes and length and like all these other random questions that it just takes so much time for me to have to, I don't do it enough that I don't know it off the top of my head and I have to relook it up every time. And then I realize I've been in an article from like 2019 and it's all changed since then and I just wasted my time totally can relate to that. It's, it's hard. Honestly, I have questions from people who are like, well, what size video should I be uploading to my blog? Like, how should I be doing this? And it's really nice because we just have this horizontal video that you save it, you upload it to your media buying player, you save it, you upload it to your ad thrive player, you're good to go. So it's like, you don't have to focus on the noise that no one wants to think about. Like we want to be cooking. We're food bloggers. I don't, I don't want to spend a ton of time editing, to be honest with you. I don't enjoy it that much. If you do, that's totally fine. Spend your time there. But I like to be really productive and efficient with that side of it. One of the things that I use in some of my videos is using some of my photography because I've taken photos in the past like you know I've been taking photos for 10 years and I've been doing video for like a year basically so I have a lot more photos is that something that you can work into the jump rope editing process whether it's you know the slightly moving image that looks like you know so yeah. it's not just a static image that type of content yes that's a great question so that's one of the number one things that I will tell someone when they first start with jump rope is to use photos because you can absolutely do that. We will make it move a little bit so it looks more engaging, interactive. So just take your process photos that you have for a recipe or if you have a roundup that you wanna do, like roundups are so big too. I, I have one of our creators who 
they specifically did not have any video or really good process photos yet, but he had like fantastic final photos of obviously like hero shots of his recipes. So he was like, I'm gonna create a roundup of like my top Indian recipes. And now he sent me an email and he was like, oh my God, like my, ever since putting that video at the top of all those recipes, like my, because of the RPMs, my revenue has just gone up so much. So you can literally use photos and make your, increase your revenue potentially, which is really nice. That is a, it's nice to be able to use already existing assets while you start to build out uh, future assets. Exactly. And I will say too, just as a side note for anyone who's hasn't done video yet and they want to start is like, if you can shoot each step of your recipe individually, I personally think that that's a lot easier than like doing a continuous, say like 20 minute video or something like that, that you have to go then and pick from. Because I don't know if it's jump rope that has like taught me that format by using our template or what, but it's just so much easier to have a little clip of like 20 seconds that I pop in for step one and then a little 20 second clip I pop in for step two and then you tap on it and you can adjust the speed you can trim it you can do anything that you need to do but it's not overly complex to where I'll spend hours on a step or anything the thing that was nice for me with doing shorter snippets like that as well is that I could do easy I could more easily do different camera angles that like with sous vide I have like this big water tub with like a big you know, stick in it. And then I have like my cutting board down on the ground and then I have a vacuum sealer in the corner. And it was really nice to not have to be like, you know, when I do a hands-on class, it's like as wide as it goes. And it's just like, here's everything. And it's hard for you to see anything up close, which is fine for a hands-on class, but not necessarily ideal for a showing, you know, in a pre-recorded video or a reel or something. So it was nice to be like, I can move it around some and I'm not doing crazy things because I don't want to Again, I'm lazy. I don't want to mess with my lighting and with all that stuff, but I can at least zoom in or move it around to get a better angle for what I'm currently trying to accomplish. Yeah, exactly. I think that that's such a great point too. It's like, if you want to start getting into the multiple angles, cause we, we do get a lot of questions on that and like what's a low, low hanging fruit, like low impact way to, to start it. And I think that especially if you're using your phone and you just have like maybe an overhead tripod set up and then a little tripod there, you're doing short clips of each, it's good to go. What have you found is, you know, there's so many different places to put videos out there. Which ones have you found are best for bloggers to kind of optimize for or think about? You know, I know we were both listened to, to Britta's conversation, like the same things don't click on different platforms. It's like, what do you, what do you recommend people focusing on as they get into this? Yeah, I think that a lot of it, to be quite honest with you, is just experimenting where your content does well. So some people, they do very well, like Britta said, they do very well on TikTok, but they might not do so well on Reels or vice versa. And now there's YouTube Shorts, which I haven't quite gotten into that yet, but I've heard that some people are having good success with it too. So I say like take the same video and then just upload it to all of those platforms and do a test, start recording your analytics of like what's what's resonating with people. Cause maybe if you do more funny stuff, like TikTok is gonna be the place to be. If you put some humor in there, you know, they, they seem to love things like that, like little trendy things on TikTok. And now Reels, I feel like Reels is obviously trying to be TikTok, but it's just like a little bit behind TikTok. So on Reels, I can, you know, do like a full recipe sped up, but that's kind of fun and everything. And that usually does okay too. 
But sometimes I'll upload something and it will just like flop and I'll be like, I don't get it. And then you put it on TikTok and it does a bit better or something. So experiment with it. But I would say the place you absolutely should be putting it is on your blog if you can. And then like, I know we've talked about web stories, Jason, too, but if, if you're already creating this content and you want to try out web stories, I would say that definitely like download our IG stories format. It's just like any stories that you do and upload it to your WordPress plugin, compress it first because it's high quality video. But like with jump rope, because you get so many, I don't want to overwhelm people and say like, you need to use all 15 because that is not the case. Pick, <laughs> pick like three, pick three things and just try them out. And then like maybe in a month you're like, hmm, this one did really well. These two, eh, like let me, let me swap those in with something else. And then you spend your time on doing story pins instead or something like that too. And I feel like if you optimize it for one or the other, say like TikTok really clicks with the way that you put it out. I still feel like probably putting those out on like as Instagram reels, you probably, it has more value than if you weren't making Instagram reels. And if you like, you want to focus on TikTok, great. Make sure you're really clicking there, but put them up on the other platforms and you know, you can get some more momentum than if you aren't putting anything out there. I so agree. We always talk about getting like the most mileage out of your content, because if I spend an hour on a recipe, filming it, doing everything, you better bet that is not just going on reels because that, what is the value that I get out of that? Right? Like I might get some followers, you know, get some engagement, whatever, but like long-term, if I'm just putting it in that one place, I'm really limiting myself. So you're so right. It's like, it's edited for the same amount of time, throw it up on TikTok. That's why I'm like, I need to use YouTube shorts because it's just another place to put the same video, honestly. So yes, I would say 100%, even if you feel like, oh, I don't want to get into TikTok, felt the same way, but you just need to be doing it and just, just putting it there. Cause you never know. I mean, when we were in our clubhouse room last week, someone was telling us how they put up like some silly videos on TikTok and it got like millions of views and now they have 30,000 followers. So you just never know. And it's better to have it out there than not. Yeah. And I think like, that's one of the things that really is I'm, I will be exploring jump rope a lot more. You, you and Jake have convinced me and Megan um, that I need to get, get into it. And part of that is because like I was saying, I don't want to figure out how to do a YouTube short, but like knowing that I could just like download it and upload it. And then that's all I have to worry about like that. I can manage that without it overwhelming, you know, my, my day of worrying about what I'm trying to accomplish there. Exactly. Yeah. It's like the least amount of time you can spend on those deep, silly details because every platform now has short form video. And in reality, you could use like the same video pretty much across the board, as long as it's about 30 seconds. So one of the things that's one of my deep, dark secrets is that I get like a thousand visitors a month from Pinterest and that's it. Like it is this minuscule part of my traffic. And I know they just came out with video pins, like are really big there. I know jump rope works with them some. Can you talk a little bit about what I'm doing wrong and why I really need to start putting out a little more Pinterest video pins? Oh my gosh, Jason. Okay. So you need, you need to start using jump rope for your pins. If that, if there is one or, okay, let me say if there are two things, cause I can't choose between the two, you gotta be using jump rope for Pinterest. If you're a blogger and you gotta be using our horizontal one for your blog, like just to have that video up there. But Pinterest, I am very into lately. I just did Kate all's free Pinterest training. She had recently and like learned all the tidbits from her. We just interviewed her at jump rope recently. 
So let's talk a little bit about what you should be doing. First off, you gotta be doing story pins. Story pins I know were like, I don't know if you've heard about them a lot, but you can't link out to them. So everyone's like, oh, I don't wanna use these. Totally understand, I felt the same way. But after seeing the, the sheer number of like impressions and everything I get from using story pins, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna be using these. And the reason for that is at the end, Pinterest, although you can't link and that's quite annoying and maybe they'll change that, they do, they do push people to your profile. And on your profile, you can have, say the same, the same pin that's a video pin. So say I'm talking about like vegan matcha latte, for example, I have a story pin, someone clicks through to my profile, they can either click on my blog or if I pin strategically and I pin that video pin right at the top, they can click through on there too. So I think there's some potential there, but Jump Rope has, I think, nine different options that you can use as pins, which are really nice. You have story pins, you have some video pins, we give you some photo pins too. And Kate gave a really good recommendation for the time that you should um, allocate between pins for the same recipe or same topic. So she said do about seven to 14 days between a pin that is for that same matcha latte. So I might schedule out like this week I'll do a video pin and that story pin together so that they're they're living there and there's a link that if someone wants to click through, they can click through. And then after that, I'm gonna schedule a photo pin a week from now. I'm gonna schedule a video pin two weeks from now. And it, it really builds up. Like once you start scheduling it out and get organized, you have like so much content that's getting pinned. But yeah, don't sleep on story pins because I was hesitant, but honestly, I have seen them them work a bit. They would work even better if there was a link, but you know, we got to work with what we got. <laughs> that makes sense that you, that Jump Row provides you with a bunch of different options and you can just kind of schedule them out for the next two or three months. And so you don't have to worry about it. And as long as you're you keep making video content, you'll be putting out multiple pins a day across your, all of your recipes you're putting out there. right? Yeah, I stopped using pretty much anything else for my pins because it was just taking so much time. Like, I don't know, like who wants to make pins all day? That's not the most the most fun, productive thing to do. So I just download them from Jump Rope and I schedule them right in Pinterest's uh, scheduler. So I personally stopped using Tailwind. I was using it for a little bit and I just use Pinterest schedule, scheduler because I've heard that that does quite well for people. And it's it's pretty easy. So I've been doing that and it works well. I know plenty of our creators who have like huge followings do that too. And it's just a nice way to keep Pinterest kind of in the back of your mind where you don't have to put so much attention to it, but then still generate traffic and do quite well with it. I know it's a huge untapped market that I have done nothing with. But... I'm excited for you because that's gonna probably be huge. Yeah, I'm looking forward to diving into that a little bit more, hopefully in the coming year. It's on my list to explore more. <laughs> I also want to talk about Google Web Stories. You know, you mm -hmm. and I have had a conversation before and it's in the, the makethatbacon.com slash web stories. I have the interview there, but for those that haven't gone through that, that class, talk a little bit about how Jump Rope works with Web Stories. Sure. So we have a partnership with Google. We've been working with them on web stories for like, I think just under two years now. So it was a long time coming. We did some pilot testing with some of our creators with web stories and things like that. And really the idea here is that 
they recognize that jump ropes format does quite well with the style of web stories. Web stories are these permanent stories that live at a URL on the web, as many of us have probably heard already or seen them. They're not temporary like we're used to on other platforms. And it's literally like the same format of a jump rope is it goes card by card, step by step, and it's a story. So that works quite well for like a recipe, for example. And that's the most common thing that we see. With our partnership with Google, automatically like our format is and web is really built on the backs of what they built. So they index our high quality content and that can be shown in discover, search, wherever they, they continue to put web stories. But then what you can do, because I know a lot of people really want it to live on their blog as well, which totally understand. And you can actually download our IG stories version and it'll give you these little clips that you then upload to Google's WordPress web stories plugin. Like I said before, make sure you compress, 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 compress that video. Otherwise you will have server fees <laughs> that are quite high. And then what you want to do is probably write the text over the jump rope text when you're in the plugin. The reason for that is you've just converted the video to an MP4 file. Google can no longer read the text. In jump rope, Google can read that text. They can see if you've included affiliate links, your blog post, shopability, anything like that. But once you download that, it becomes a video file, an MP4. So at least write the title over again. So if your title, vegan matcha latte, just type it and cover the jump rope text exactly so that Google knows what it is. I, I have people that don't do that and they still do well, but I think I've noticed people who at least have the title that it's helping a little bit with SEO too. Because that's what people forget about like Google Web Stories is they are just a Basically, they are a page on your website like any other page. And so providing some amount of SEO guidance to Google that what what this story is about helps a lot. And you don't have much text. You don't have much, you know, compared to a blog post. So make the most of what you do have there. Exactly. I think that that's a really, I mean, it's been a, I don't, we'll see what happens long term, right? We, it's kind of hard to know, you know, if they're going to, I think that they're going to stick around a bit. They've been quite popular, especially in food. It seems like people like them a lot, but I've seen people get like millions, you know, hundreds of thousands, whatever it may be, if they have something that does well. So try it out, see how it does with your audience. And if the app makes it or jump rope makes it very easy to put them together, you might as well, you have no downside, right? I know, right? That's what I'm, I'm always like, don't worry about making them yourself. Just download our stories thing and you can use it. It's so easy. And one thing we haven't talked about is that, you know, Jump Rope has native content on it and you have some features yes. that are designed to help, especially like food bloggers, like with affiliate sales and to promote products and make money from the type of work that we're doing. Can you talk a little bit about some of those shopping features that Jump Rope does? Yeah. So recently we released, we just totally revamped what products was on Jump Rope and I love it. Like we've gotten such good feedback from the, the new products 2.0, if you will. So really, anytime you create a jump rope, you can link to the products that you're using in there. So if I'm doing a smoothie recipe, I can link to my Vitamix blender, do an affiliate link for like Amazon, whatever it may be. If I'm doing a branded post, I can use whatever link that they've given me. And the thing that's really nice about what we added when we revamped products was we got feedback that people want to be able to shop as they're watching on each step. So say I'm on step two of your recipe and I see like, I'm not very familiar with sous vide, but I see like 
the, the thermo, the te what is it called? The thermometer or like what? The, uh, the circulator. The <laughs> there's a, there's a, the, the circulator is basically what the sous vide machine is. You can okay. talk about that. <laughs> so let's use the circulator. So if I see the circulator on step two, I'm like, I want to know what Jason uses because Jason's the most popular sous vide person, like obviously. So I want to click right on that card and be able to tap on the circulator. Now you can do that. So it's like initially we just had a list at the end of everything. So you could put your ingredients, your equipment, whatever you wanted. But now it's right on the card too. So it's like very shoppable for people who are viewing it as well as we're growing as a platform, which is quite nice. I'm like, take advantage of it. I know affiliate sales aren't necessarily the number one part of revenue for most people, but why not like increase it if you can, especially with Amazon, the cookies and whatnot. If you can get on someone's cookies and they make a big purchase, like they buy a Vitamix, that's really great too. I think the, the biggest affiliate payout we had was on a very, very expensive pair of high heeled shoes that someone had purchased off of Amazon from our circulator link. So had That's nothing great. to do with sous vide, but it was a, there's like a $800 pair of shoes. So it was more than any circulators were on there. So that was nice. That's amazing. I didn't even know Amazon has $800 pairs of shoes. <laughs> but they you learn, do. Yeah, you learn something new every day. I would, yeah, yeah, I would definitely recommend though, like if you can use that when you're using Jump Rope, totally take advantage of it. Or like, say you have an ebook or something, We you have a creator shop on Jump Rope. So I know that with Amazon's program for, I think they call it their influencer program if you wanna have a storefront, they have some guidelines that you have to have a certain amount of followers, a certain amount of posts, like they kind of approve you for it. So it's not automatic. So if you want a place to send people to shop, literally send them to your creator shop on jump rope. And then you can link out to all of your links of your eBooks, your cookbooks, whatever you use your equipment. And the coolest part is that we actually show underneath, say that you're showing the circulator it'll tag every single jump rope that you've ever used the circulator in. So if someone's like, I don't know, what is that? They'll click on that and they'll be like, oh, okay, I get it now. Because we know that I think it's about 60 plus percent of consumers now, they watch a video before they make a purchase. So that's major. That's crazy. I had no idea it was that high. Yeah, it's, it's gotten very high, I think, especially probably in uh, quarantine, I could see it getting even higher because people are just like, I want some human interaction and to know like how how the heck to do this. <laughs> I miss people and I miss shopping. So I'm going to watch a video yes. and then buy something from Amazon. Exactly. <laughs> so I like that. So come to Jump Rope for the for the video editing ease and then stay for the affiliate payouts and the formats you can export to. Exactly. And hopefully, I don't know if you and Jake chatted about this, but we are looking into different avenues of monetization as well in the future. Like we love what we've seen YouTube done with creator monetization and things like that. So as we continue to grow, we put our creators first, definitely. And it's, it's nice because our team is really comprised of people who have blogs or podcasts themselves. So we, we understand that side of things. So I would say that the added bonus of using jump rope as a tool, when you're getting all these downloads, you're building a presence on a new platform, you're being an early adopter, right? So as we continue to grow, like you'll just continue to benefit from things like your affiliate links and things like your creator shop and monetization too. Final Cut Pro never did that for me. That. <laughs> no. <laughs> just charged you a lot of money. <laughs> yes. yeah, I'm not a perfectionist in any sense, but I spent way too much time trying to get videos to look decent and they 
almost never did. I agree. And really like the hardest part, I just want to mention for anyone that uses iMovie, I know that adding text to iMovie is just such a nightmare because they have certain, you know, you can only add text in certain spots, et cetera. The thing I love about Jump Rope is like ADA friendly because you have text on every single card that you're adding. We have to think about now, like there was a big push towards ensuring that you're ADA friendly on people's blogs. I would say like about a year ago or so that was, there's kind of a wake up call to that. So you want to ensure that you're using text when you're sharing a video too. Yeah. Andrew Wilder talked about that when he came on my podcast, just talking about how important accessibility was and that just, there's a lot of people out there that are now trying to take advantage of bloggers that don't have alt tags and aren't providing accessibility. So you want to, just to protect your own assets, you want to make sure that you're, you know, have captions and stuff on everything. 100%. That's a great point. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your expertise. I always have a great time learning from all the amazing stuff that you do. So thanks for coming on uh, Making Bacon. Thank you, Jason. I really appreciate it. It's always so fun to talk to you. You're like a wealth of knowledge. And so I always have a really fun time just like chatting back and forth about food blogger related things. I appreciate that. It's fun. Uh, it's fun going back and forth and just have having good conversations all the time. They're always really enjoyable. And for more on Jump Rope, you can head to jumprope.com or Instagram under Let's Jump Rope or Jump Rope Eats. And for more from Lauren and her blog, head to plantivorekitchen.com or on Instagram under Plantivore Kitchen. Did I get those right? Yeah, you did that perfectly. Thanks, Jason. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you again for coming on. It's always a joy catching up and learning about the great stuff that you're doing. And I will be in touch as I start diving much more into Jump Rope in the coming months. So I appreciate okay. you you and Jake and Megan turning the, the screws enough to get me to, to commit to give it a shot. Of course. And I'm happy to support you in being successful there too. <laughs> you will get any angry emails. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been Making Bacon, where I will help you serve your fans, grow your income and get the most out of your blog. Until next time, I'm Jason Logston.